In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. Rob Hessler here with Gretchen Hilmers, co-host Gretchen Hilmers, and my wife. Yes, and you are my husband. (laughs) And welcome to episode three of RPGs and Baby Makes Three. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a great one lined up for you this week. Three, Three more new segments to share with you. Why don't we get into the show? Let's roll for initiative. They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. Roll for initiative. Let's talk about our week in gaming. It's been a little bit off lately, actually, since we recorded the last episode, Gretch, because, well, a couple of things happened. My game has been going strong. My Dragonlance Uncharted AD&D... Tick Tick is still alive! Tick Tick is still alive. But down a charisma point. Damn it! <laughs> we got we got an extra wisdom, but not enough. Which is funny for a Kender. Yeah, so the <laughs> in my game I'm running a Dragonlance campaign, but I'm running one of a classic module, the module Castle Amber, which is a really fun and wacky kind of adventure where the group is kind of forced into this mansion of sorts, a chateau. They call it a castle, whatever. And there are all of these strange things that are happening within and there's a lot of like old school weird things that are just permanent effects that can happen to you and yes of course Gretchen while eating a ghostly feast lost a charisma point but gained a wisdom point which really sucks yeah well for a bard it's not really and a kender it's not really good <laughs> well but it was but you know what it's not as devastating as some of the other things that happened to the other characters yeah one of the characters got a now forever on needs twice as much food to survive very strange things that can happen to you yeah but thankfully tick ticks around so there's not going to be a shortage of food right if you haven't heard of this adventure it's really fun it's it's not going to be super easy to adapt two editions beyond second edition but you can do it and it's really a fun fun adventure be worth the time to adapt it it's a um basically the the adventure stems around the group is sort of drawn into castle amber and has to find these silver keys which will ultimately lead them to being able to escape although i don't want to reveal too much to gretchen 
a couple of years ago they did a don't reveal too much even though i could go online and read about it oh yeah you could but, but that's not the way i roll yeah at some point i don't know exactly when they listed the top 25 dungeons and dragons adventures of all time and castle amber is one of those and so it's a lot of fun and it's, it's old school i think it came out in 1983 or something like that but uh but yeah it's got some great flavor great great sort of feel about it and we're running through that right now and and that's been fun otherwise as far as gaming goes i mean i've had some bad luck i guess my thursday game is dead people just weren't showing up and and a guy was running a really good game this guy out of germany uh who was running the game and he was a really terrific dungeon master but people just weren't showing up so that game kind of faded away although it looks like i'm going to be starting in another game online here in the new year and then the last Ravenloft game was also postponed because of us. We were it out was of our town. Fault. Yeah. <laughs> we were going out of town. And the DM was kind enough to actually cancel it because the two of us were not going to be able to be yeah, there. It so. kind of sucks that we have to wait another week because it ended on a cliffhanger. And I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. So I, I kind of want to get back to it to see how things go. Yeah, we talk a little bit about that in this episode where the last game was uh, Masquerade masquerade ball we talk about that in a segment we have coming up about railroads roller coasters and open world type games yeah so that's that's kind of we're waiting on that next that next adventure and you know we we've got a supernatural game planned now we talk about supernatural on this episode and i'm still working on my my game yeah. i got it it's coming it's gonna happen Gretchen's it's funny gonna, gonna or at least i think it's hilarious if you're amused by it then that's good enough i'm just excited to see what you're imagination comes up with so well uh, a good thing i'm going more funny than horror because then you might not be able to sleep well i can't sleep now as it is anyway <laughs> uh and uh, other gaming stuff you know i've been doing some reading which kind of relates to gaming i read several the first three books of fritz lieber's fafford and the gray mauser stories um they're all short story books the first three books are all short story books Quite enjoyed reading those. Um, some were better than others, but some were really good. You know, these old sword and sorcery books. And then I've gotten back to the second book in the Dragonlance Legends Chronicles, which was the second trilogy of books that came out by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. But in have you already series. read those? I have, but it's been over 20 oh, years. Man, but come on, you've already read it. I don't, you know, I'm reading it now, and I don't remember any of this. Like, well, yeah, college happened in between. <laughs> exactly, so it's new to me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really fun, you know, to read. I, I have to admit, I'm having a little bit of trouble staying interested in it. I, I don't know what it is, it's just this... It has its moments where I get really into it, and then other moments, and I'm just, like, trying to read it, and I'm, I, I just can't. I've, like falling asleep so but uh but there are yeah but that might be because you have a baby i am tired and everything like that too but uh but always trying to draw inspiration for my games by doing you know things like that and uh and so and you know, i've been working on some stuff for the rpgs and baby makes three patreon page and putting together some 20 we are tuesday lists busy we are always busy well we like to fill our days you know we like to be occupied and uh gaming is a is a part of that so well let's get into the meat of the show here we've got yes. three great segments lined the up for you of the show the beef yeah i don't know that sounds gross that does sound gross. i don't really want the beef of the show <laughs> i don't either never mind <laughs> well let's just get into, get the, into show. the show <laughs> 
Don't worry. I'm not gonna do what everyone thinks I'm gonna do. Flip out! Look, look, I've got a major problem, okay? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. You have no power over me. Groans and moans. So we're going to talk about railroads, roller coasters, and open world types of games. So I guess we should probably define what we're talking about here. So in role-playing games, and we're going to talk a little bit about video games here as well, because video games do this really well, there are sort of different styles of gameplay. And a railroad is essentially where you have one direction you can go in in the game and it is point a b c d in that order there is really no other way to go an open world game is one where you're given many many options you kind of are in a living breathing world and you can ostensibly do anything that you would choose to do and then finally a roller coaster and people don't talk as much about this one is a railroad but it's super super fun so you don't really realize necessarily that you're on a railroad i mean because roller coasters are super fun actually people spend hours waiting in line to go on a roller coaster even though they know <laughs> it's like 30 seconds i know it's the best 30 seconds after <laughs> four hour wait though <laughs> so let's talk about these here gretch because and we can talk maybe i mean i think most people would on the surface say they want to do an open world game. Now, before we went on to record this, you were mentioning that you know, you're know you a big fan of the Fallout games, the Fallout video games. Huge, yeah. Yeah, and so those are open world games. So talk a little bit about kind of that and what that's all about. Oh God, so you know, I've been playing Fallout since high school. I think my brother introduced me to the original one. Um, my memories are a little hazy, but in the later Fallout games, I think one of the problems with me is I'm a, ooh, shiny. So when I play a game like Fallout, you know, it starts you off in a direction. And then I like look at the map. And I'm like, hey man, what do you think's in the southeast corner? Let's go find out. And then I'm like, you know, okay, so what's in the northeast corner? And then, all right, let's go find out. And when I'm doing this, you bump into adventures that aren't part of the main storyline. But inevitably, you will stumble into main storyline bits and you will stumble into them out of order. And sometimes the game will be like, it's not time for you to be here yet. You know, this isn't the right thing. You got to go do this first. And other times it just throws you into it. And it can be very problematic when you're actually trying to finish the game after spending, you know, 90 hours uh, exploring a world. But something that I really enjoy is just how you get there. I mean, I, you know, I like options. I think most people like options and um but maybe it's too many options like when i throw out to you what we could have for dinner or uh movies to watch and then all of a sudden there's 30 ideas and you're like gretchen 
I don't know now. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Well, I mean, like, let's convert this to sort of tabletop role-playing. Let's, like, you know, looking at an open-world game. So, like, let's say you start in X Village, okay? So I'll use the Forgotten Realms in Dungeons & Dragons, so people are pretty familiar with Why the Forgotten Realms. Why don't you just use the campaign that we're doing now with Dragonlance, though? Well, because it's a little bit complicated and people won't be as familiar with the terminology here as far as like what I chose to start with was you know my own place that was that was new and different but okay so let's take a Forgotten Realms location and there is a little village called Evening Star which is in the middle of the country of Cormier which is considered to be in the heartlands of the Forgotten Realms right in the middle basically of the Forgotten Realms and so you could have a game that the adventurers start in Evening Star, and then they can kind of do whatever they want. Now, around Evening Star are all sorts of different things. You know, there's a river, there's a cliffside to the north, there's sort of these, you know, more dangerous uncharted lands, there's a royal forest to the south, maybe there's some mythical-type creatures there. Anyway, point is, and it's at a crossroads, sort of, so there's like, you know travel that goes through the mountains are not too far off to the west and so there's like you know you could kind of go in any direction and it would be up to the adventurers to choose what direction that they go into did we wake him up you think can we wake him up and now back to your regularly scheduled programming <laughs> So a little peek behind the curtain there. Now, this is RPGs and Baby Makes 3. And you might be wondering why there is an abrupt change right now. And that is because Baby Makes 3. And of course, while we were recording this podcast, Baby decided to wake up, stand up in his crib, and start crying while we're trying to record now, during his nap. Now, okay, to his credit, the white noise was not on or died. So... We don't know what's going on right now. I, I never know what's going on. But let's continue on. Yes, let us continue. So <laughs> if, for those of your parents, though, you know where we're at. Exactly. <laughs> so in an open world, you might, again, be in a place like Evening Star. You've got the whole, the whole world is your oyster, you might say. Oyster. And you can kind of do whatever you want according to that. So that's an open world game. And most people, I think, would kind of prefer that they at least... At least that's the the idea is like you want to be able to go anywhere and do anything. I think that's a fallacy though. I don't think the open world game is actually very fun because most DMs can't pull that off. Most DMs, unless they are ridiculously, ridiculously overprepared, are not going to be able to pull off a game in which the players can go in any direction and find interesting things. So they have to either be ridiculously overprepared or a master of improv. And most DMs are not going to fall into either one of those categories. If you're a parent like us, you don't have time to do that. <laughs> you don't have time to make a game that detailed. And although I consider myself to be pretty good at improv, it's never going to be as good as something that I really lay out, like uh, something that I could really, you know, make a, uh, that would be interesting, you know. And I'll look at like, like for example, and this is why I kind of default to the roller coaster. But let, let's talk a little bit more about railroad because railroading has got a horrible connotation 
in gaming. It's as though you can only go in one direction, you have to go through the steps as the DM says, and then that's all there is to it. So those games don't sound very fun either. It's like you don't feel like you have any what they call player agency. You don't really get to control your character because no matter what you do, it's going to go through steps one, two, three, four in that order. There's not really a way. Maybe you leapfrog over a step or two, but for the most part, the DM is going to try to pigeonhole you into anything that they want you to do. So that's, it doesn't sound very appealing to me as like a player to even really consider doing something like that. So what I like, and this is kind of my preference, it, as a player is a game that I would call a roller coaster. Now it's still a little bit on rails, but think of a roller coaster as a theme park, right? A theme park, you can't go anywhere. There are rides. You go to the rides. There are only a few select locations where there is a thing that you can do, and those things are awesome. Some are more awesome than others. But as a player, it is actually better to go to the place where the DM has something prepared, where they have some idea and follow along to a certain extent with their storyline because they're going to be prepared and it's going to be more exciting and interesting. I think about the game that we're playing in right now, the Ravenloft game, where, you know, we, in the last game, we knew we were going to be going to a masquerade ball. <laughs> some stuff's about to go down. Right, and so, like... There were people during the game who were like, oh, we should leave, we should get out of here, whatever. But I was like, this is what the DM has prepared. Let's embrace this. This is, this is going to, it's much more fun. Now look, I wanted to get out of there because Pika didn't bring any silver weapons with her. <laughs> and there was a lot of threat of were-rats there. Um, and this is a Pathfinder game. So, you know, there, you need to be concerned about silver weapons. But see, the point is, is like... If we would have just been like, screw that, we're not going to the Masquerade Ball, the DM would have allowed us to do that. But isn't it more fun to actually go and do what they have prepared? I mean, like, sure, we could just ignore all of that stuff, but if you ignore the stuff, you ignore the things that are like the shining spots in a game, you know what I mean? So I like the roller coaster concept where it's like, you're at a theme park, there are certain areas that if you go to them, there will be awesome things for you to do which are to a certain extent on rails, but they're really exciting things to do. They're fun. Like you really want to do those things. Like you want to go to the dragon's lair and search through the dragon's lair and defeat the dragon. Like who doesn't want to do that? Like you don't want to avoid the dragon. I mean, like, I guess you could avoid the dragon, but don't you want to play in the dragon lair? I mean, is that, isn't that kind of what you want to do? Don't you want to go and if you're playing a sci-fi game, like, explore the derelict base that's floating out in the middle of space or do you want to just be like nah that looks scary let's fly by it i mean what's the <laughs> point of playing the game you know and those are things that the dm is going to present to you so like you know most of the time this total open world idea while it's great on the surface it's not really realistic as far as you know, an actual gameplay solution. Now, some of those can be fun. I mean, I've done improv games where I just kind of make things up on the fly. I often do a lot of improv during a specific game, but it's not like the long-term viability of like an improv game. You, It's harder to connect the various pieces of the puzzle together into something that's cohesive and interesting. But I mean, like, you're even talking about the open world of something like Fallout. Like, even a video game has its limits. Like, there isn't 
an unending amount of things that you could do. And be honest with you, like when I've played, okay, let's think, bring up another game, another video game, Divinity, right? The sequel to Divinity had so many freaking side quests that you could possibly do that it became overwhelming. It's like you could literally, you could pretty much do anything. Obviously, there's a limit to how much you really could do. But there's so many side quests and so many things that you could do that it became confusing. And it's like you get wrapped up in like doing all this minutia that really doesn't, isn't really all that interesting. You're like running errands for like doing little side quests where you're like running errands, delivering little things or deliver or picking stuff up or spying on somebody. And stuff like that is... It's fun for a minor diversion, but it's not really, like, the point of the game. I mean, think about how yeah. often we can play. Do you really want to, like, spend your precious three hours, four hours of a campaign weekly, if you're lucky, doing random boring stuff? Or do you want to, like, do the thing, the neat big thing that they've got planned? I mean... I think for me, it depends on how exhausted I am from the week and the baby. Because sometimes I'm not in the mood for a giant overarching, you know, badass mission. Some days I just want to go putz around and talk to other kenders or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I get that. I get tired, you know? I mean, some days. No, I don't know. Just, I'm exhausted now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, think about, so in my recent game that I'm running, Dragonlance game, we've, you know, you, basically the city that you're in started being, like, destroyed. And so I kind yeah, of, in yeah. a way, roller coastered you into doing, I mean, you could have ignored it, but at the same time, like, are you really going to ignore it? You're going to kind of get involved. There's a big reward for one it. One of us wanted to ignore it. Yeah, one of you did want to ignore it. But the... <laughs> You know, the group of you, you kind of figure out, you make an, a, a, an alliance, an agreement with somebody who's going to pay you a certain amount of money, and then you decide, okay, we're going to go and we're going to do this mission. And it was challenging, but it was exciting. I mean, think about how much TikTok was able to be involved using TikTok skills and stuff. I know, but we almost lost, like, let's see, one, two, it could have been three characters. We could have lost three characters. Right, but you didn't. You overcame. I mean, like, that's... that's Right. I, I'm going to say that's good DMing on my part. The challenge level was appropriate for your characters. Yes. Yes. So it was but challenging, I but not too hard. I love Tick So you just don't want Tick Tick to die. I don't. And it's come pretty close a few times. Well, I get that. I mean, we never want our characters to die. But it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting debate, the... The, the railroad versus roller coaster versus open world. You know, I got to say that coming back to the to what I said before, I think open world can just be too much at times. I think it's too distracting. I think it's too open. It's too shiny. And it really kind of leads you off the rails <laughs> well you talked about the too many things too many suggestions for dinner or the too many suggestions for a movie it's like you know the menu doesn't have 500 items on it it has you know a limited amount so like i think that you know honestly the best is probably okay here are three things okay do you want to go to 
you know, chaos mountain where there is some ancient mystery that's supposed to be up at the summit that, you know, is, is you've got some little details on, or do you want to, you know, go out into the plains where apparently farmers have been taken by some mysterious beast, or do you want to, you know, travel through the sewers where there have been, you know, tales of some sort of ancient treasure dug deep underground, you know, like, and that's like, just say those three things. And then you can decide between those three, are these the things that you're interested in doing? Like, what do people want to do? You know, what do people... And then if you have a few options, then it feels like you're making some decision. But it's not, it's really not, that's not really open world though. You know, I mean, that's no. kind of like, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do out of these few different options and it's also like kind of you're throwing a bone to the dm because or the game master because in that case then you have like well we're going to do this one thing and they can probably you know flail their way around or roughly <laughs> sketch out like the beginnings of each one of those things for a session and the next session they know okay they're going into the sewer so i need to have some stuff ready for that you know what i mean i need to really flesh out whatever that adventure is going to be and so like um, so anyway, yeah, I think that that's a, and again, then once you go into that space, you're on the roller coaster. Yeah. You know what you I mean? Are. It's not a railroad because it's not boring, but it's a roller coaster because it's like, you know, the DM is in charge of what's going on and you are kind of trying to get to the end point of the adventure, but it can be exciting and fun. So anyway, I'd be really interested to hear what people's perspectives are on railroads roller coasters and open worlds and uh, you can email us at rpgs and baby makes three and we have proven today that we do in fact have a baby and that baby is a, still awake is a barbadian <laughs> and we are going to go and grab him now let's get let's end this segment here <laughs> another system how many systems are there how could this happen in me product reviews so today we wanted to talk about one of our favorite rpg games the supernatural rpg I know. It, I love this game. This is one of my favorite RPGs. Now, this is based on the television series, which just recently came to an end after a glorious 15-season run, which is really, really incredible for any television show. It was supposed to end after five seasons, and somehow the last season, that fifth season, was so popular that they decided to extend it, and it ended up being 15 seasons long. <laughs> so the show just recently ended, and we, but we actually have played the Supernatural RPG for a good five years now, really. Now we haven't, we don't play it as much as we used to. It used to be in regular rotation. It used to be our regular campaign, actually, yeah. as we played the Supernatural RPG. But anyway, this game was released in 2009 by Margaret Weiss Productions, and you might know Margaret Weiss as one of the two people behind the Dragonlance series of books with Tracy Hickman. Well, she had a gaming company that she's turned over in recent years, but she had a gaming company that released a number of very good games 
They released most of the Dragonlance stuff for the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons. They also released Firefly and Supernatural RPG. Now this game uses the, what is called the Cortex system, which is a specific system for their games. And so the Cortex is, uh, it's not like a D20 system. It uses polyhedral dice, but it only goes up to D12. And so statistics and such are based on D4, D6, D8, D10, D12. And then after that, it starts adding dice. So it's a single dice. And like most games that you're familiar with, there's a series of six statistics that are going to be somewhat familiar, even though they use different terms like agility, strength, vitality, alertness, intelligence, willpower. So those are the sort of this, the main six statistics. And then there are some what are called derived attributes, which include initiative, endurance, life points, and resistance. And so you can kind of get a sense if you're familiar with RPGs, how all of those things work. And it's very much a skill-based game. So the game is, you have a number of skills which have dice that are associated with them. And those dice for those skills are then added to the appropriate attribute and you roll those to succeed, fail, or do whatever. And now, the available skills really make it so you can create such a customized character too. Absolutely. So they have broad skills and then they have these little specialized skills that are more customized. So like maybe you have, for example, guns is a skill, right? So you take guns and you're able to use guns, but then you can eventually take handgun or shotgun and you become better at them or even like more specific skills i mean like that's that's kind of a broad thing everybody's going to want to be able to use guns but it might be like animals so animals is being able to work with animals and then maybe you take horsemanship and you're really good at riding horseback or something along those lines you can there's a lot of customization yeah, when do, it comes to does skills everybody want to use guns not everybody wants to use guns <laughs> some people want to use plastic candy canes that they find in the yard to fight krampus Improvised weapons. Okay, All right. Look, All right look. We have hinted at this story before. We're talking about the supernatural RPG. We are going to talk about that story. But before we do, let's give a little bit more of a laydown <laughs> of what the game is about. So it is based on the television show. So each session is called an episode, and each part of the episode is called a scene. And so it's not quite as every moment is lived through. You actually will go from scene to scene and the in-between periods are kind of just glossed over. It's unimportant. There are these various acts that you have within the story of an episode. And the way that I formulate it is very much like the television show. Each episode can be a story episode or it can be a monster of the week episode. So the story episodes are a continuing storyline which goes across a season of sessions or episodes and then there are Monster of the Weeks, which are kind of like one-offs, meant to last, you know, three, four hours, one sit down, one session. And another important part of this game is that it's not really the kind of game like Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, other games like that, where in the end, if you are defeated, your character dies. There is, it's, it goes with the fail forward concept. So if you get your butt kicked by the demons, you don't necessarily die. You might wake up in the in a room in some sort of dank warehouse tied up to a chair, and then the <laughs> which the story... has happened so many times in Supernatural. That's basically like every episode <laughs> every of Supernatural. Episode. So you rather than dying and the game is over, 
the story continues in the direction that your defeat would lead into. So it's got that kind of thing. So if you know the show, it's about two brothers who go and they fight monsters. It's mostly about demons, but it has a lot of other monsters, all the kind of supernatural creatures you can imagine. And I was the game master for this, the storyteller for this game. And Gretchen was a character in the group. And I did a Christmas special episode where the group essentially was trying to stop Krampus, who had been summoned by a couple of witches. And... Oh, I mean, you know, <laughs> look, okay, sometimes you just, you don't have anything around that's a weapon. And so one of my favorite things and one of my Megan's skills is improvised weapons. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to do stuff and you, you need something there and you don't have what you need if it's like a gun or a sword or no you just have a you know like a yard decoration candy cane right so it's that's essentially to kind of get back to that skills idea is that there's the skill of melee weapons which is a general skill and then the specialty skill of improvised weapons is what megan had and megan was a sassy barista i yes, guess you might yep, say a sassy barista. megan with I feel more grumpy. Megan, not Megan. Yeah, she was definitely a little bit grumpy. Um, and is so, of Rob course, they is. were. She's still out there. Just because we haven't played in a little <laughs> while doesn't mean, you know, Megan's around. No, we will play again. I mean, it's it has been a little bit. You know, the game has a lot of other really interesting features. There is something that has been adopted by many RPGs, modern RPGs, and that's assets and complications so there are <laughs> these things which you have an advantage at and things that you have a disadvantage at so it's like some assets for example would be like lucky which will allow you to re-roll once per session or higher education so you have college level education you might have some contacts for that and if those skills relate to a specific circumstance you might get a bonus die roll to that or as a complication, there's a couple, like for example, like Glory Hound. You always wanna be the person who is considered the hero or you're overconfident. And in those circumstances- Or you're clumsy. Or you're clumsy like Megan was. <laughs> and there are circumstances when those would apply and you would have a penalty to your dice roll in those. But the most exciting invention that this game had is plot points. Ah, yes, fantastic. So, plot points are a way to manipulate the story by the players in the game, so that way that the players have, play a more active role in shaping how the game is played. Each character begins with six plot points and might at any time have a maximum of 12. They're doled out by the game master when characters do interesting, funny, Anything that they decide that, that deserves a plot point. Bad the, jokes. Bad jokes. Interesting ideas that either fail or succeed. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, if they're really in line with the flavor of Supernatural is when I give out plot mm -hmm. points. And you can use those plot points for two things. First thing, and this is kind of the less interesting thing, is you can use them to help your dice roll. If you spend a plot point before you do a roll, you add a d2. So if you spend two plot points, it's a D4. If you spend three, it's a D6. If you spend four plot points, it's a D8 and so on. And you can add that to your roll. Or after you roll, you can spend plot points and it gives you plus one per plot point. And 
there's a difficulty level scale that you're trying to succeed on. So you're trying to, when you're doing things, there's a difficulty scale, easy, average, hard, formidable, heroic, incredible, ridiculous, and impossible. And obviously it gets harder and harder and harder. So you can use plot points to succeed at very, very difficult tasks like you would in a television show. When they do impossible things that they shouldn't be able to do, that's how you do it with plot points. But the more interesting use of plot points, in my opinion, is when you use a plot point to actually change what is happening in a scene. And I've given this example before on this podcast of maybe you spend two plot points and it's up to the game master to determine how many plot points something costs, but maybe you're fighting a werewolf and you've run out of silver bullets and you spend two plot points and you've got one more round in your gun, one more silver bullet round in your gun and you're able to use that. So maybe you use the plot points. But there's lots of different things that people can use plot points for. Yeah, lots of them. I mean, I don't know how many times we would be like, oh man, we don't have that in our inventory. Or do we? Uh, you know, that came up quite a bit because, you know, there's a gasoline spill, but oh no, the, the person who has the Zippo happens to be uh, across town, and here we go, maybe. I pull out my Zippo, it's not on my character sheet, but I do it and I throw it into the fire or whatever. And you know what's fun too is that when we play with plot points in our live game, we actually have these little plastic chips so there is a tray in the center of the table that has the plot points. So not only do you say that, there is the sound of the plot points being dropped into the tray, and there's something very appealing about that sound, isn't there? Like, it just kind of adds to it. I think we should get it so we, they can hear it. Okay. So satisfying. It's very satisfying. And as a game master, you have to just embrace that whole idea. like. Let the players change the world. Let it happen because there is no winning in this. Like the whole point is for everybody to have fun. And let me tell you, Supernatural is one of the most fun games. It's very niche, of course, but it's a really, really fun, exciting game. You know, like every episode ends up on a cliffhanger. There's all these iconic sort of moments that happen. And there is that because there is that fail forward, sometimes when you make the biggest mistakes, you do the stupidest things and it ends up being the most fun because it ends up all <laughs> sort of twisting out in this weird and interesting way. And it's a really great, the system, everything, the way it's designed, it fits perfectly with the television show. And that's wonderful. And one of the things that's really cool about it too is that people who were involved in the television show are represented in this book. And it's really good. The Margaret Weiss Productions crew is top-notch so the game is really well done now there is some disadvantages to this game and one of the things one of the main things i will say is the book is very hard to find now you are lucky if you find this for 100 bucks or less at this point it is so it's just very rare and it is not readily available on legal sites so there isn't really an option to play this game unless you're willing to shell out quite a bit for the core rulebook. Now, and the core rulebook is really is really nice. None of the other published materials of adventures and things are very good either. So the core rulebook is great, but this, the little adventures that they have are not really very good. It's better if you actually just have the core rulebook and you're a fan of the show and you write 
stories based on what you've seen I mean, on the you show. you have 15 seasons of inspiration. Seriously, Come you have on, over man. 300 episodes that you could take inspiration from. So, anyway, it's a lot of fun. I don't know how many people out there have played this game. It was obviously a short run. It's not hasn't lasted for very long. The game came out in 2009, so it's a little bit older at this point and hard to find although it is you can always find a copy on ebay but it's always expensive and um and so i'm interested if anybody out there has played some supernatural please go ahead and email us at rpgs and baby makes three at gmail.com we would love to hear from you and i'll also mention this and we might talk about this in the future but the Firefly and Serenity RPGs also use the Cortex system. So it's a similar system. So if you've played those games, which we have the core books for, but we've never actually played, send us in your experiences with those games as well, because I'd be curious to hear what people have to say about using the system in other games. God, I miss this game. I miss this game too. I think we're gonna have to play it again. Yeah, I like that. Hey, 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 what's going on? We look at the person through the peephole. You talking to me crazy? Maybe if I get lucky, we get a little action adventure of our own going, you know what I mean? Proficiency check! Well, we're going to talk a little bit about gamer etiquette, and we're going to talk about gamer etiquette in a few different segments because we want to sort of break it up into a few different topics. And we thought we would start by talking about one of our favorite topics. Food. Food. We love food. Put it in the mouth hole. <laughs> you gotta put it right up in that mouth hole. <laughs> God, that sounds horrible. I know, it really it does there. sound good. Just ignore that, folks. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we've mentioned before on the show about how we have these BG BBQs, board game barbecues, and this is a little bit, you know, pre-COVID, so this is... And any game night, it is a potluck. Yeah, any of our role-playing game nights, we always have a collection of food. Our normal gaming group tends to bring awesome foods, and we talk about it a little bit beforehand, so that way we make sure that we have a good mix of sweet and savory. Very important, sweet and salty, you gotta have both. And you might end up feeling a little sick by the end of the night if oh, it's always, a good one. <laughs> always. It is so rare that I don't feel like I have regrets. <laughs> well, and one of the things I think is that, you know, and we can talk about this here, that sort of what we're getting into is that, you know, each gaming group has their own kind of etiquette about food at the gaming table. And so this is kind of an important thing. And so why don't we first and foremost, we'll kind of delve into what we do and also offer some opinions on some other options here because our group has always basically been, like as Gretchen said, we do a potluck. And it's not just somebody brings a bag of chips and somebody brings soda, although somebody usually does bring a bag of chips and somebody usually does bring soda. There, we don't often get chips. I know, we don't get enough chips. Soda, actually. yes. <laughs> chips. We always get soda. I can always go for more chips. But often, people in our group are amazing and they make really incredible things. We've got this one guy in our group, Mike, who was a former chef. And one time he bought an entire catered tray kind of thing of eggplant parmesan that he made him, his, himself. It was the best eggplant parmesan I've ever had in my life. 
and we had it for before an RPG game night. He's done the French toast thing too. Oh, I know you love that and, French toast. Um, oh my god, he just brings so much good food, and there's just so much of it. If Mike's coming, everyone will have plenty of food. <laughs> That's true. Even when Mike doesn't make stuff, he's always really good about bringing a lot of food. I've experimented a little bit too. When we first started our new Dragonlance Uncharted game that I've been running, a second edition AD&D game, Dragonlance game, the very first session, if you recall, I brought out Leaves from the Inn of the Last Home, which yeah, is a book. Yeah, because I made, I made a recipe That's from it. right. Yeah. Did you make... Kender. Kender Kiffles. Kiffles, yes. Yeah, there yeah, you go. yeah. So, and in this book, there are recipes from the Dragonlance books and also pe- ones that people have made up. And so we made Dragonlance food for the first session of the Dragonlance game. Some was better than others, but it was all fun. I mean, it was all in good, you know, Odic spiced potatoes. And by the way, we are going to be talking about the new Dungeons & Dragons cookbook here in an upcoming episode. And apparently they've republished the Odic spiced potatoes recipe. And uh, that actually, that book will be coming to us this week. So looking forward to taking a look at that. One of the things, though, of course, is that that is part of our etiquette for our gaming group the first basically hour of our in-person sessions is a potluck and everybody's hanging out chatting some about gaming oh i miss this so much (laughs) it's some about gaming it's some about life (laughs) it does it does and it's although in some cases these are people we really only hang out with for gaming it's that part of the gaming night which has made it more than just gaming. It's made it, we are friends. It's mm-hmm. a friendship, you know, yeah. that we have where we bond over, you know, breaking bread and having some food. And people start getting a little hyped about the game too. People will talk about like, oh, well, this is going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen here. And there's kind of that. I mean, you often have to wrangle us in like, all right, guys. You know, it's time to start the game. Right? Shovel that last piece of pizza down your throat hole, as you said. No, let's be honest. We're we're still nibbling through the game. Yeah, that's true. And, well, that's an etiquette thing. For us, it's totally fine for people during the game to get up, refill their plates. We don't have any problem with that. That's part of our experience. The way that our gaming area is set up, it's this long farm-style table in the center of our dining room and where we have all of the gaming books. And then that is directly adjacent to an open kitchen where we have all the food. So you can go back and forth and you're not missing out on hearing what is happening with the game. And we are now joined by a special guest on the show today, Rabbit, our, one of our cats. Uh, who really <laughs> enjoys any kind of food being around and he will gladly hang out with anyone who wants to give him something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you for know, sure. I think one of the important things about the way that we set up is we rarely bring food to share to the table itself because I think we're all a little nervous about having you know like like a plate of I don't know right yeah like it's not like the buffalo wings are sitting in the center of the gaming table no, they're in an area then we'd all just sit there eating them and I think you know right. we want to put some effort at least in to go over and <laughs> refill our plate right so we have an area where all the food is gathered you make your plate you bring it back to your space and everybody brings their own books and stuff like that or oftentimes you know I'll, I'll print stuff out so it's stuff that doesn't matter if it gets a little bit of food on it or whatever and you're taking your own risk for your stuff and of course you know we're all adults people are careful so like we haven't you know knock on wood 
haven't had any um <laughs> we haven't had any spills or anything like that really at the table that have caused any couple, problems but yeah, no, yeah nothing that was many. an issue so um so that's kind of our etiquette now we have kind of a funny story we had a new player come to the game it was a boyfriend of a of, of a woman who was playing in our group because he just wanted to see what the game was like before joining oh, in. Yeah, he wanted to judge us. Actually, he kind of even told us that he was, you know, I'm just checking this out, see if this is something, you know, if I feel like joining your group. And dude brought a box of cookies to the game. Yeah, no problem bringing a box of cookies. If you can't, are not a cook for our game, you're not a chef, no problem. No you problem. can bring a box of yep. cookies. You can bring soda. You can bring a veggie tray. We have a, one person who brings a veggie tray all the time. Love it. I actually like the veggie tray as an alternative to like eggplant parmesan and stuff. So guy brings a box of cookies and proceeds to not share one <laughs> single freaking cookie with our group, right? He but he sits there eating. He just sits there eating them. But he then doesn't he share also any... did the thing where he was like reading a comic during the game. <laughs> he was reading a bad, that's another bad etiquette thing. But then the worst part too is that he still ate from the potluck. So he's eating the potluck and not sharing the cookies. Now, why is this important? Because- Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy, A. And I don't remember him as a gamer. I remember him as the guy who came there and didn't share his food. So read the room, people. Read the room, dude, read the room. Look. And, the funny and, thing is, though, is he admitted to that being boneheaded later on down the road. But Yeah, because know. we made fun of him about it, like, all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's it's important to know that. So, like, if you're joining a new gaming group, if we're talking about etiquette, ask what the policy is going to be. Because if you're showing up and the game is around lunchtime, around dinner time, around a time when, even no matter what it is, ask, is this a kind of thing where we're all sharing food? Is this the kind of thing where we're all and, gonna and chip also, in a few bucks for pizza? You know, yeah. what is it gonna be? And also, if you are bringing something, make sure it's enough to share. Not just like, I brought this for myself mainly, and there's a little bit for other people. Like, just bring a serving for everybody if you can. Cause I mean, you know, there's been a few times where someone shows up with like the, the one serving salad and they're like, we could all split this. And you're like, thanks for that piece of lettuce. Oh, look, I scored a cucumber slice right now. <laughs> yeah, but that's true. It's like, you want to make sure that you have enough to share. And like, it might seem like, I know we don't all have money. I mean, it's just like, it's, it can be an expense. That doesn't mean that you have to spend a ton of money. I mean, you can pick up off-brand sodas. It's the thought that counts. Like if you show up with something and it says, hey, I'm considering everybody that's at the table within the budget that I have, nobody's gonna judge you on that. And if they do judge you on it, that that's bad etiquette on their part. But if you show up and you try, you know, I mean, I'm fine with that. I don't really care what people bring. I'm not like, oh, you know, Mike is so much better because he brought his eggplant Parmesan than so-and-so who only brought, you know, X. It's not, that's not really that way, although I really, I gotta tell you, I really do like having Mike in the group when it comes to the food stuff. But it's but like you know the other thing is too is if you can't afford to to bring something that's okay too, that's okay. Gaming isn't about you know it's it it's a moment to come together and to enjoy each other's company and play a game and have fun. And if you can't afford to bring something, then that's okay because you don't need to bring that real world crap into the fantasy game. You're there to have fun. You're there to escape. Don't feel bad. 
But also just, you know, let the group know or have yeah, let some the, communication about it. Exactly. Make sure to communicate and ask questions. I mean, especially if you're new. You don't, we want to make a good impression on the first time. Even if you end up not staying with the group because you don't like it, why not just make a good impression? Build a strong, good bridge with people because you never know who you're going to come into contact with later. It's a small world. It is a small oh, world. Man. And a lot of gaming communities are very, very small. And there are people... You know, we have a, a person in our group right now named Bianca, who is one of my favorite people to play with. She and I, we played a game or two over years of gaming within the Pathfinder Society, other little things where we'd run into each other, play a little bit. We always just hit it off. It never worked out that we could play in a long-term campaign together until recently. And now I love having her in the group. So you never know, you might meet somebody in a group you do not stay in and then a year, two years, five years even later down the line, you're interacting with them. So make a good impression by, you know, going a little bit above and beyond. And food is a, I mean, everybody can bond over food. There's very few people who won't appreciate getting some cookies or like, Every you know, now getting and a then slice you of pizza. find that weirdo that says, I don't like food. And I'm sorry, if you're that weirdo, you're not coming in my house. Yeah, seriously. And if you hear that weirdo, get them out of your house quick. You don't want them in your gaming group. Absolutely not. <laughs> At least we don't want them in our GTFO. game. GTFO. <laughs> I'm sure there are some people who are decent who don't like food, but I haven't met them yet. Yeah, no. So anyway, give us your stories about your food etiquette. I'm sort of curious how all of you do your things because, you know, these etiquette stories is really important. It's like every group is a little bit different and it's sort of interesting how people sort of define their groups based on a various, you know, on various etiquette kind of ideas. So you can email us at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you and we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and probably read that on the air if it's good. Well. I mean, if it's entertaining. If it's entertaining, good, or just has some proper grammar. Yeah. You if know what, you actually? string some words together, maybe we'll just, just read it anyway. At this point, we're really not being too choosy, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and you, give us a story, and we'll read it on the air. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of another episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3, the podcast. It was a good one, I would say. Yeah. Three great segments there. There's a lot you could sink your teeth into. Uh, the food egg, segment, egg, I get what you beef. did. Oh, we had the beef talk at the beginning. Yeah, that was That's really funny. just... Man, you know what? When you're a parent, you just do the best you can with your jokes, you know? Yeah, especially you. You just keep, like, firing them off, and some of them stick, and some of them just slide down the wall. Right, but see, that's my that's my technique. You just keep firing, keep firing, and you'll eventually hit something. <laughs> <laughs> As always, of course, and we'll have this bumper at the end here, which will tell you all how you can get a hold of us, but we'd love to hear from you on all of our topics or anything that you're interested in. And, uh, you know, we're going to, in upcoming episodes here, we've got some plans to have some special guests on the show. And, you know, if you've got something that you'd like to talk about, maybe we'll have you on us on the show. We're always interested in having some audience participation here. So send us emails, tell us what you've got going on, and we'd love to hear from you and chat with you about what you've got going on. Gretchen? Hey, hey, hold Oh, you got I, something to say. I got a delayed joke. Oh, just do it. Okay, you said eventually you'll hit something. And, you know, okay, Star Wars is not my cup of tea, 
my cup of tea is Star Trek. But you'll eventually hit something unless you're a stormtrooper. <sighs> That's funny to someone out there. You know, if you would have said it right away. But... I know, but can't you just edit it? <laughs> <laughs> just say it? I would have maybe edited it, except for the fact that now it's funnier because I <laughs> we've had this whole conversation. Hey, at least I didn't think of it when I was in the shower tomorrow or something. You know what, I gotta tell you something, and this is way off topic, but who cares? We're at the end of our show here. I've always been a big Star Trek fan. Star Trek is my jam, and not as much of a Star Wars fan, but I think right now Star Wars and Star Trek are both really good. Oh, that's a good time to be a sci-fi nerd. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I love The Mandalorian. I've really been enjoying... I love Picard and, and Discovery. I've really been enjoying those shows as well. And, like, you know, they're not perfect, but they have some really great... They're just... They're, they're things I just they really love about them. There's shows out there for us. Right. And good big budget shows. reality TV and sitcoms I mean it's quality there's some really high production value and they're really putting money into trying to meet our nerdy needs yeah it'll be I'd like to see fantasy catch up to to sci-fi in that regard we've got The Witcher The Witcher was amazing and apparently there's this huge Lord of the Rings show that's going to be coming out there's a couple of Wheel of of Time maybe that's right well not maybe but I don't know coronavirus could have sidelined a lot of well they put a lot of money into that and then there's going to be some new Game of Thrones I know the last one it's just ended so bad but maybe we'll see Song of Ice and Fire maybe some other stuff one second I'm scared yeah well I'm scared too well look let's let these people go we don't have to hold them hostage with these inane conversations that are brilliant to us but maybe not as much to them so Gretchen yes thank you for another great episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3 the podcast that was fantastic we will talk to you all in a couple of weeks thanks for tuning in we appreciate you yeah we sure do Stormtroopers RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymakes3.